This is the We Are Her podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. So um, I'm going to say hello and welcome to the We Are Her podcast. And who are you? Who do we have on the show? Hey, I'm Kayla. <laughs> Hi, Kayla. <laughs> where um, where are you from? Where where are you tuning in from? Uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Awesome, awesome. You can kind of hear it in your accent, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. <laughs> um. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, just kind of who you are and how you got connected with We Are Her? Yeah. So like I said, I'm Kayla. Um, I, about three years ago, was in an abusive relationship and um, that's what kind of led me to We Are Her because I went to the Break the Silence Against Domestic Violence um, Survivor Sister Retreat and that's where I met Stevie Um, and she just kind of inspired me and we kept in touch and just kind of connected from there. Awesome. Um, well, I'm really grateful to have you on the podcast. And um, in in We Are Her fashion, I'll just kind of keep things really open and um, and sort of just ask you, like, you know, why are you on the podcast? What do you want to share? And you can start sharing wherever it makes the most sense for you or however, um, whatever makes you comfortable. Um, I guess just uh, looking back, like, I never really heard anything about domestic violence or teen dating violence when before I went through it or when I went through it. And so now I just mm-hmm. want to use my voice as much as possible and get my story out there just to help others know that they can, you know, survive through it and rise above it, really. Yeah, um, I think that's probably a pretty common experience. I certainly never got any kind of like formal education around these issues at all. Um, and I think the more that we are educated the better equipped we are at preventing these things from happening in the first place. Absolutely. So um, do you mind kind of sharing a little bit more about your story with us? Um, you can, again, kind of like you can start from the beginning, middle, end, anywhere that makes um, th- the most sense for you. Yeah. So when I was 17, um, I had never really been in a serious relationship. Um, and then I had gotten in my first one like a month before I turned 18 and Like I've always said, like it was, it just seemed like the perfect little relationship at the beginning. He was older and I I don't know, I just kind of fell head over heels and um, it was perfect. And then, you know, it just slowly started going down from there from the beginning, really. But I was very naive to it and I thought I loved him and I thought he loved me. But long story short, I um, ended up dealing with a lot of stuff and when I finally got out um I made it about a month and a half and then we met up and you know that's just kind of where the tragedy that inspired me to start speaking about my story came along I guess if you want to say um yeah and so and so this so this kind of incident that you're talking about that you're referencing 
that happen after you had already um, broken up and left the relationship? Yeah, so a lot of stuff happened, and um, by this point, I didn't want to see him, and like we had a no trespassing order on our house from him, and um, had filed for a restraining order, but ended up dropping it because I didn't want to have to face him in court. I just wanted to move on from it, and um, we ended up, I ended up texting him, asking him if he wanted any of his stuff, and I was just going to leave it somewhere for him, and then, long story short, we ended up meeting up, and that's when the last attack happened. And the last attack, do you um, do you feel comfortable telling us like what happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we met up a couple times, and then finally we just he kind of took it like we were going to get back together, and that's not what I was there for. He had told me he was going into the navy um, in a couple weeks, and so I finally gave him the chance to. I like to say right his wrongs, but for us to just make amends and. Like if something was to happen, then we, I know we didn't end on bad terms. Um, but like I said, he thought we were there to get back together. And <clears throat> when I pulled up, I had met him at, um, in a parking lot and I had the cold chills going down my spine. And now as I see him, as it was God told me to turn around, but <laughs> I pulled in and got out of the car and got into his car and, um, he had flowers and cards and it said stuff about getting back together and um basically he flipped like a light switch so I didn't I didn't even acknowledge it and um about five minutes later I would say or two minutes later I don't know but he said you don't have anything else to say and I said that's not why I was there and so I got out of the car because he told me to get out and so I didn't I got in my car and I don't know it was just it happened so fast I just remember looking down and I was panicking because I could hear the anger in his tone in his tone um and next thing I knew, I was looking down at my leg, shaking up uncontrollably and looked up and he was outside of his car picking everything up. And um, next thing I knew, he was in my driver's side door, leaning over me, putting all the stuff in the passenger seat. Um, and then he leaned in for a kiss and I backed up. Um, and then that's when I thought he was just going to try to get me, like force me to kiss him. But he ended up latching onto me and biting 85% of my lower lip off. So, yeah, wow. that's basically the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's incredibly, that's incredibly traumatic and, and obviously something that you were expecting, not expecting. I mean, I know you said your gut instinct was sort of telling you to turn around, but, um, you know, can you tell me more about, like, did that come as a total surprise? I just can't imagine that that was pretty shocking. Um, So he had been definitely aggressive before. There was a time that he had basically broken my nose and gave me a busted lip and black eyes over and over again. Um, but the thing is, is like he would never hit me fit like just with a fist or anything. He would use like other things or like slam me up against a door or slam a door in my face or something like that. And so I te- technically to me, I didn't really, I never saw him as physically abusive. Um, mm. So no, <laughs> I guess I didn't see that coming. Um, and that's just so inhumane that I don't think anybody would really, except for me now, because of course, after going through it, <laughs> you know, that's always in the back of your head, but, um, sure. It's kind of hindsight 2020, you know, what you know now and what you didn't know then. But I, I do think that you're hitting on something really important around these ideas that we have about like, what is abuse? And there are these stereotypes that physical abuse is like getting punched, you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting because I've done some educating with teens around this issue, and sometimes I'll pose hypotheticals 
like, you know, what if one partner spits on the other partner's face? Do you think that's physical abuse or not? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. Let's break that down. But, you know, that's a conversation that we're not really having a lot um, with teens, with adults, with anyone, really. Absolutely. I um, definitely believe that that's... I didn't really ever think about physical abuse or whatever, but I like going through it. He would always say, I don't abuse you. I don't abuse you. Like, and that was the most I ever thought about it. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You don't abuse me just because you know, mm-hmm. you don't lay a hand on me. You don't abuse me or physically like a fist. Um, right. So yeah, that's definitely so true. Right. And obviously he wasn't going to be admitting to that behavior. So if he's telling you that he's not doing it and you trust this person and love this person it's easy for that voice to kind of get inside your head um do you mind me asking how much older he was than you um yeah so when we first started dating I was 17 and he was 21 um which doesn't sound like a lot but 17 and 21 developmentally or at least like stage of life stuff you know like one is probably still in high school and the other one can legally drink (laughs) yeah it was the summer before my senior year and he was able to do whatever he wanted at that point so it was definitely different right yeah like you were still you know probably living at your parents I would assume and Mm -hmm. yes ma'am yeah um so yeah I I do think that that I know I had heard you mention that and I just kind of wanted to ask about that because I do think that's a kind of a common pattern as well you know especially since it was your first relationship and to have this older person who um kind of steps into the scene it's easier to kind of like fall fall in line and sort of like be taken under their wing and um I think that age difference is an important piece to highlight yeah I think especially this is off topic from the relationship with him a little bit but um I think I've shared a little bit of this with Stevie before but like as a child I was sexually assaulted so I feel like that kind of not led me into an abusive relationship but I feel like Mm -hmm older men like kind of held a power over my head because of that um Mm. and so I feel like that was kind of a key in why I allowed him because I always wanted to say like I was headstrong like I would never let anybody do that but then I don't know it's kind of like the pain from the childhood past like I don't know if that makes sense (laughs) it absolutely no it absolutely makes sense yeah no I think those past traumas absolutely play a part Um, And I think you said it perfectly. I mean, you said, look, like these older adult male figures have had power over my head when I was a kid. Um, And and somehow that that was sort of like carried through into your like young adult relationships. I think it makes total sense. Yeah, it's almost like a thing in the back of your head that says you have to bow down to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate that you have expressed that you see yourself as like a headstrong person, because again, you know, we're just shattering so many stereotypes in this episode, but like strong, (laughs) independent, smart, like bright people can absolutely um, enter into these relationships. You you can be strong uh, and strong headed and still end up being abused by someone. Yeah, definitely. That's something I heard a lot when, my story came out is, oh, I'm, you know, people will say I'm headstrong. I would never let anybody in like that. But you never know until you're in that circumstance. Um, right. And it escalates incrementally over time, right? So it's not like on the first date, this person hit you or pushed you. Absolutely. There was probably a lot of, um, a lot of lead up to, 
to it escalating to that point, you know? Um, and so it sneaks, it sneaks in. It does. It definitely does. Um, I also kind of wanted to, to ask you a little bit more about like your family and their role in all of this. Um, what was it like, you know, so you were so young, were you, and you were living with them, did they notice or try to say anything or not or? Yeah. So it was always just me and my mom. Um, and of course, when she first found out about his age, you know, of course she didn't like that, but she tried to accept it. But it's crazy how they say when your mom doesn't like them, like nine times out of 10, she knows. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. She definitely didn't like him from the beginning just because she saw things that I didn't want to see. You know, she would try to tell me and at at one point it just felt like my arms were being torn off between the two of them just because I wanted to please both of them and I wanted to have mm. both of them, but I knew that wasn't going to be able to happen if I stayed with him um, just because he tore me literally away from everything. So it was definitely hard. And like when I got attacked, my mom was on her first vacation without me. And so I don't know, it was just kind of like a heartbreaking situation just because she had to get that phone call that no parent ever wants to receive. Right. And to be so far away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what kind of happened with your relationship with your mom after things ended with the person who abused you? Um, I would definitely say we got closer. Um, we definitely realized that we'll never let anything like that come between us again. And I don't know. I just it opened our eye, both of our eyes to so many things that we didn't didn't know before. Yeah, I um. I, that just is really moving. I, I'm really happy to hear that. I know um, for some survivors, you know, like the, the damage that's been done is irreparable and not damage necessarily that they did, but that their abuser did, right? Because they're really good at wedging themselves in between um, the survivor and their friends and family as a isolation tactic. So I was just curious about that. And I'm really... Yeah, I know. Like, I know my mom would never... I mean, my mom's been my best friend my entire childhood my entire adulthood um and I know she would never leave my side but it was almost at that point where I feel like she was about to give up just because there was no winning for anybody um he was really close to getting what he wanted and I'm just glad it ended where it did um so I know we're kind of skipping around a little bit but um I want to flash forward um and kind of go back to this big piece of your story this this like really that you experienced and I want to talk a little bit more about like what happened after that what was you know what was your healing process like um um it was really hard because you know (laughs) being a girl in general is hard and being an 18 year old girl you're well I feel like at any age you know it's so easy to sit there and compare yourself to the next girl and um after that having a scar wrapped around my face and having barely any of a bottom lip like it was really hard. I basically shut my wanted to shut myself out from the world. Um, I'll never forget sitting there outside of my car because <clears throat> after it happened, he tore me out of the car and um, actually spit it on me. And so I just remember picking it up thinking like, oh, my God, there's no way out of this. You know, like. I, like, I just I hate even saying this. Um, like in that very moment, I just remember thinking like suicide was the only way out of that. And thank the Lord that I had the support I did because they pulled me out of such a dark space. Um, I don't know. It was definitely hard to get over, but I just had to realize that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I, I feel like 
all the support and sharing my story. Like I've found that reason. Like I just, I don't know. I just have to use it to save the next person. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I think that's really beautiful. I think a lot of survivors find meaning in like paying it forward or Mm -hmm. trying in some small way or large way to connect with other survivors and help them feel like they're not alone. I mean, I think a lot of the guests who are on this podcast in particular, that's why they're here. They're like, look, like (laughs) I want to make sure that this doesn't happen to anybody ever again. Or if it is that by me sharing and helping them in some way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to dive a little bit deeper into your healing journey because you were just speaking about such a dark place that you were in, which is totally understandable after what you went through. And I kind of want to, yeah, just unpack that a little bit. Like what was healing like for you? What did that look like? Um, it was definitely not a straight line. It was (laughs) up and down, up and down. And of course, still to this day it is, um, but it took a lot of work and I feel like it really, I had to do a lot of digging to find love deeper down for myself than what a typical 18 year old girl would be focusing on is her outside appearance. Like I really had to just realize that I need to work on myself and who I wanted to be and who I wanted to use this to help me build to be. Um, I definitely had, I think, I don't know. I found a lot of healing through writing. I am actually writing a book now, and I feel like that's helping me as well. Um, But just connecting with people that, you know, can share similar stories or sharing it in general, honestly, was the main key in my healing process, which sounds crazy. Um, No, no, it doesn't. I, um, I, I think that as survivors, uh, we're told to like, shut up and be quiet and keep it to yourself and don't make anyone feel uncomfortable. I mean, most people's abusers that I know, like also heard that message from their abuser. And so to be able to share your story is a way, it's like an act of reclaiming your story. It's like, you're taking it back. You're making it your own on your terms. You get to share it how you want, when you want. Um, and, that's like kind of innately empowering. I agree. I, um, I also kind of wanted to ask like in, and please, you know, if this is uncomfortable, don't, don't uh, feel like you have to answer, but what happened to the person that abused you? Um, did he just kind of fade away into the West or was there, uh, you know, any kind of legal battle after that or. Yeah. So he ended up showing back up at my house about 45 minutes after it happened. And um, he was arrested on the spot. And then he, I think it was nine or 10 days that he was held in jail or held in the holding. And then um, he was released on bond. Um, And it was about, I think it was the same weekend the following year that he ended up pleading guilty and was sentenced to 12 years. Wow. Yeah. So thankfully, (laughs) thankfully he was held, held responsible. Right. And, and out of the picture, I mean, actually locked up. So um, did that provide a sense of safety or was it just kind of like, well? <laughs> yeah, like the year he was out was really hard because he was on an ankle monitor, but it was it still seemed like he was doing whatever he wanted. 
Um, mm. and, like I would get calls in the middle of the night from the GPS monitor company saying like, <clears throat> Hey, we can't get, we can't get in touch with the signal or whatever it is that they do, but they couldn't get a signal from them. Um, but they don't have a reason to believe I was in danger. Um, and have a great night, and then they'd hang up, and I'd get oh, nervous. nice. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't follow up on it or anything, but it was just it seemed like it was always something, so it was very stressful. Um, and of course, he lived not far from me at all, so it was terrifying to even leave the house. But needless to say, I'm just glad it was a relief to hear he got 12 years. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Justice um, served, which I think a lot of survivors don't necessarily get that peace of mind because abusers are really good at abusing in a way that is like right under the legal radar. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the, and I'm sure your abuser did a lot of that stuff too, but with the person who abused you, like he crossed the line that you can't take back, which ended in jail time. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so we're going to keep jumping around and flash forward a little, a little more. Um, how are you now today? I'm doing great. I'm probably in the best place that I've been so far. Um, you know, like I said, it's, there's still up and ups and downs, but I'm just happy to be here and be able to be on the podcast and be sharing my story as much as possible. Yeah. And when things, you talk about like the up and down, when things are down for you, are there specific things that you do that kind of help, you know, help you restore that balance again? Yeah, you know, I just try to take time to myself and just find, do things that make me the happiest and put myself around the people that make me the happiest. And like I said previously, I just sit there and write. Like if I'm feeling really down, I'll sit there and write how I'm feeling about it. And nine times out of 10, that makes for some reason that makes everything better. (laughs) It kind of pulls me out of it once I get it off my chest. Yeah. And the physical act of writing is really neat too. Like you said, it's like you're actually putting a pen to paper and taking your words, you're, you're forming them and then you're physically putting them somewhere. It's like in a little container almost that it helps, helps do something with all of that. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. That's really neat. I guess, you know, from here, I I guess I just kind of want to know more about what your message is for survivors who might be listening to the podcast, whether they're in their relationship or out of their um, abusive relationship. Like what, what do you want them to know? Um, So kind of the slogan that I've kind of wrapped around my head through this whole thing was um, she fought her battles the best she could and she wore her scars as wings and whether they're physical or just internal, like wear them as your wings, you know, let them guide you and bring you further. Like just, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Don't let it, you don't have to stay in that deep spot. Like, I don't know. There's just so many, so much beautiful in the world, Like you're going to make it through this and just keep striving for a better day. Yeah. I, um, I think that's so beautiful. And so really relevant up to your experience, obviously. I mean, this, idea of scars, whether they're internal or external, that's a piece of the healing that all survivors kind of have to work with. Yeah, I feel like so many people say, well, I don't have physical scars like you, but honestly, the ones inside hurt worse than the ones on the outside. Um, And that's why I just want to say wear them as your wings, because 
no matter where they are, what they are, they are beautiful. And I know I keep saying it, but that's what's going to create you into the person that you're going to be and help you be the best you. Yeah, I, um, I'm hearing in your words too this like act of like redefining what your scar meant for you because it's such a physical reminder. Um, and sometimes those emotional scars, we can do things to ignore them. We can do things to tuck them away or numb them out. Um, but a physical scar is something that is there. And I'm hearing that you've kind of had to like take it and, and kind of redefine it for you, this idea of making them wings. I did. Cause at first I felt like, like it was really hard going out. Um, I remember posting a picture of my face just because I didn't want like going out the first time. Like I didn't want to see somebody I knew and you know, like their jaw drop or because I knew that was going to be the first thing that people see whenever they look at me now. Um, right. And I remember like thinking, like I remember going to the mall one time and everybody was looking at me like I was the monster and like, they just had no clue the story behind it and who the real, I'm not going to say the real monster, but the, <laughs> the real monster. I mean the person responsible. Yeah. Like you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. And so, but here I was feeling like a monster and then I was online one day and I came across that and it just, it gave me a whole new perspective and outlook on what I can do with those scars. Like, at this point, I want them to be a conversation starter because one conversation could change that person's life um, and help them not end up, <laughs> you know, where I did. So that's definitely true. Mm, that's, I mean, that's really amazing. And it just speaks to like your resiliency and strength, um, which I have to say, like almost every survivor that I've ever talked to who's been through such shit, you know, like hell and back, right? Like, there's this beautiful sort of like yin and yang where it's like, no, I don't think any survivor is glad <laughs> that they went through what they went through, but they did and have somehow like come out on the other side, still resilient and still empathetic and kind and hopeful. And there's something just profoundly beautiful about that. And I'm like hearing that as a theme in, in your story a lot. Well, I guess, you know, this is a little bit of a shorter episode so far, which is totally okay, but I just want to keep making sure that I'm opening up enough space um, for you to share anything else that it is that you want to put out there to the world. Um, one, one thing, I don't know how many teenage girls listen to this, but I'm sure that's a good majority of them. Um, and one thing it made me really realize is that when I was in high school going through it, like I went to school with um, my my nose busted up, my face busted up, and um, not a single person just said, hey, are you okay? Um, I guess my biggest message is just ask that person, hey, are you okay? How can I help? And, you know, they may not, they may not give you an answer. They may not tell you or allow you to help them, but they at least know you're a safe, you're a safe person or you're, you may be a stepping stone into that process of them knowing that they're not alone. Um, I don't know that question. Are you okay? Or how can I help those? To me, those questions are huge because that could have changed my life looking back. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can make anybody do anything. I mean, and I think that's like, you, you definitely touched on that where it's like, well, they may or may not take you up on that offer for help. But in a moment of desperation, if they're, you know, going through the list of people in their minds who's safe, like who's someone I can talk to, you know, it's more often going to be someone who's reached out and been that supportive, lo unconditionally loving person. 
Absolutely. Um, so when you were going through all of your relationship, did what, did you mostly, was there anybody at all that you kind of reached out to or did you sort of, um, not talk to anybody about it until like the last attack when stuff, you know, got super, super violent? So this is going to sound odd, but I talked to his stepmom about it. Um, I just remember mm-hmm. nights cause he was like, he was the type of person that couldn't just have one beer. Like he'd have to black out if he was going to drink. And so I just remember all the nights that he was blacked out asleep. Um, and I would stay down there and talk to a stepmom and I probably shouldn't say this, but she would always tell me to get out before I ended up like she did. And I never knew what that meant. Um, mm-hmm. and like, I wouldn't go into full detail about things with her, but I would definitely express like some emotion to her about what was going on in, I don't know, I guess. I I mean, she was probably more aware than you may have even realized, you know? Yeah, Um, absolutely. Especially with giving you messages like that. Um, And I think it kind of speaks to this bigger picture too, of how a lot of abuse is cyclical and it like runs in families. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, most people aren't, most people aren't born as abusers, you know, um, um, they, they generally learn it from somewhere. Yeah. I think that's been a really hard, um, thing to deal with is the parents, not necessarily so much the dad, but one of the family members has constantly, you know, been blasting my name on social media. And so it's like a constant battle. That's, I'm not even trying to fight. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not about bashing that person. It's just at this point, it's about making people aware of what's going on. And my name's constantly being bashed. So it's like a, I don't know, it's just a hard situation just because people enable the abusers like crazy. And yeah, it's hard to keep doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, it's, that's, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really, um, that's a hard reality. I think you and a lot of survivors probably are in the same boat where it's like what you try to speak out and speak your truth and people try to silence you. Yeah. Um, and, um, I appreciate what you said about like, look, like I'm not trying to bash this person. Right. But like it, it, it happened. It's also your story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're allowed to, if you want to, in whatever way you want to. So kudos to you. Cause that takes a lot of strength to constantly have to like fight through other people trying to tell you to shut up. Definitely. yeah yeah um well again I just want to you know if there's any other kind of like wrap-up thoughts or I know sometimes it can be really hard like (laughs) you put a list in your mind of all the things you want to say and then it it comes time and it's like gosh what did I want to say or (laughs) I've had people say like oh my god I was jumping all over the place like it wasn't in a timeline it didn't make sense and like I don't think any of that really matters because it's coming from you and it's your truth and so I just um yeah, I just want to keep opening up those spaces. Like, is there anything else that like any burning desire that you're like, oh, gosh, I just really want to share this piece? I don't know. I'm better at writing than speaking. Obviously, as I've said a 100 times, that's what I do normally when I um, am feeling at my lowest. So I feel like I know I haven't really explained everything too well on here. (laughs) No, that's okay. Maybe a good question would be like, are there places that you have your writing out in the world where people could go read them? Um, I was going to say, I'm actually in the process writing a book. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Alyssa, of Alyssa Devine, but she wrote a book of 21 survivors um, that shared bits and story, or pieces of their story um, about how they turned their pain to power. And she's helping me write a book. So that'll be out in 
hopefully October, <laughs> if this whole pandemic would end. Um, oh, God, I know, right? <laughs> but it's going to be talking more about um, the sexual assault as a child and then leading into the abusive relationship and overcoming. And like I said, <laughs> better at writing than <laughs> speaking on it. Does it have a title yeah, right now? Yeah, it be called Rise Above. Um, Rise Above, okay. Yeah, that's something I just kind of adapted to when I was trying to go through all the healing process and I just figured I had to do something and the only thing that kept popping in my mind was to rise above it and so I always say rise above rise above stay kind stay strong um so yeah that's just kind of the little (laughs) that's definitely going to be the title of it oh I love that everybody go (laughs) check out Kayla Hayes's book rise above in October hopefully fingers crossed and seriously when it comes out let us know and we'll love to put that um out as a resource at at our on our we are her website and our social media and stuff so I mean that is just so cool thank you it's gonna be kind of like I'm thinking at the end it's gonna be kind of like a a guidebook for people going through it or thinking they may be going through it um and then there's gonna be more to it but (laughs) we're still working no that's awesome I think a lot of people um like there's just such a I mean, there are a lot of resources out there in some ways, but if you don't know that they're there, it's it's hard to access them. And I think the more that we are putting these things out um, to the world, it's it can, it can only help, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, and that was kind of our goal with the podcast, too, is just to put it out there and just hope that it helps at least one person, um, which we've heard it has. And I'm sure your book will, too. So I think that is Thank you. And I know you'll have, I know just meeting Stevie, gosh, she's just, and you as well. Like y'all are just, y'all are incredible. Yeah. I, uh, the, we are her community is, um, it's just, it's a really special, it's a really special community. And I feel very lucky to be a part of it as well. I've met so many cool survivors, just, wow. Just like the strongest, most badass people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we'll wrap up um, but, uh, again, like, thank you so much with your, for sharing your story and with, you know, sharing in such a generous way. And, um, I know you think, <laughs> you think you're not a good speaker, but you're amazing. And, um, yeah, your story is really important. So I'm glad that and very honored that we get to have it, um, on the podcast for sure. Well, thank you. And thank you again for having me. Yeah. Take care. You too. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.